More and more cybersecurity executives are making the leap from longtime careers in law enforcement, the military, and the government to the private sector. As cyberterrorism and cross-industry threat intelligence become increasingly critical, more employers are looking for CISOs who have a law enforcement or military background. Here, Dr. Dale Meyer-Rose, a retired U.S. Air Force Major General, shares insights about his career path, highlighting the steps he took to make the transition from a longtime career in the Air Force to founding a private cybersecurity consultancy, of which he is now the president. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Dale, could you just tell our audience a bit about your background and your time with the U.S. Air Force? Sure, Tracy. Uh, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you about what I think is a very important issue. My time in the military is clouded by two overarching things. One has to do with world events. I came in the, in the Air Force in the Vietnam era. Then the early part of my career was dominated by the Cold War. Then it transitioned to Southwest Asia. And, and the last of my career was dominated by things uh, that happened as a result of 9-11 and the war on terror. The other overriding thing about my career was, was in starting in the early 70s, I was in the technology business, the forerunner of the cyber business. And so we had technology such as teletype. And then that migrated to satellite. And then the telecommunications boom of fiber in the ground and computer and networks and, and so much of things, of IT things becoming commodities rather than specialized types of expertise. So in the course of 30 plus years in the Air Force, it is not necessarily a projection that, that could be forecasted. None of those things could have been forecasted, and yet they all make up a career which encompasses uh, a lot of things. Yes, you make some good points, Dale, and it's interesting because, as you noted, none of these events could have been forecasted, but all of the skills that you acquired from all of these various experiences have really helped to put you where you are today. How would you say that some of those skills that you acquired through some of your work you know, with the military, with the Air Force, how have they translated to your work that you do now in the private sector? Sure. Well, first I started off with a good, solid education. I graduated from the Air Force Academy in the mid-70s. My degree was in economics, and while a lot of people may not think that economics is closely related to technology, it was a great education with regard to cost-benefit risk, speed trade-offs, analytical approach to problem-solving challenges, and, and all those kinds of things. Above that, the Air Force very much spends a lot of time with leadership and training. And looking back over my 30-plus year career, there was not a year that went by that what the Air Force did not provide me more training or exposure to other things. Then the ability to have opportunities at such a young age. In the first year I was in the Air Force, I supervised 300 people. And then over the course of 30-plus years, I commanded, led, or supervised uh, over 75,000 people. And the thing that I really learned about that is, is you accomplish things through people with the right talent, providing them the right resources, opportunity, training, and such. And it's through that interaction of people that things, missions, achievements are, and all those kinds of things are accomplished. Even though we often see ourselves as technologists and in a technical business, the business of technology is very people-oriented. So, Dale, I mentioned in the introduction that more and more companies are looking for CISOs who have experience in the military or law enforcement. Do you agree that this is an emerging trend? Yes, I do. And some of that has to do with the inability of a lot of our education institutions to keep up with the demand for the right kind of talent in today's environment. And so I think that companies are looking to people that have some real-world experience. And the real-world experience that the military provides you is leadership, 
working in complex organizations with global missions. That global perspective, you tend to find people that understand the bigger picture and can go from that bigger picture to a very narrow, specialized picture, provide the right focus, achieve, accomplish the mission. I think the thing that sets people with military experience, people often don't think in this way, is, is that they got two traits. They develop two traits from their military experience. First is, is they develop a uh, curiosity, a natural curiosity of how things work, how to get things done, what's next, anticipation, all those other kinds of things. And the second is that they have a great ability to learn new situations, new things. In the military, uh, somebody with, with 20, 30 years or, or like myself, you go through 20 assignments. So those are 20 different work environments, 20 different missions, 20 different challenges. Each time you have to rapidly learn, become acquainted with, and achieve things in a very rapid structured time. And so I think that many companies in the private sector find a lot of those traits very important and uh, very useful in their culture. Dill, that's a nice segue to another question that I wanted to ask, and that was about some of the evolution that we see in cyber threats. So as we see cyber threats evolve and concerns surrounding cyber terrorism increasing, how noteworthy is it that your staff have some kind of cyber threat intelligence and or military background? I think it's very important. It is, first of all, important to realize that in today's environment, cyber threats are global in nature. And the cyber footprint does not equal the geographic footprint. So what I mean by that is, is you can be a small company in the Midwestern United States and be threatened cyber-wise from somebody on the other side of the world that you don't even consider a threat because you don't see them. And so the element of having a global perspective, the element of being able to take indications, analysis, perspective from a very broad range of things and then connect the dots to what is meaningful for my organization. Oftentimes, organizations get tripped up on the business of, we have to keep track of everything that's important. Well, I mean, that sounds good. But in reality, that interferes with you keeping track of everything that matters. So there's an entire world of threats out there. But what ones are strictly applicable to your organization? And so your organization has to deal with those threats from a macro perspective, but you have to be able to focus that down in, into what matters to us. And again, the training, the background of military people, law enforcement people, of the thoroughness, of attention to detail, of cost-benefit risk analysis, trade-offs, those kinds of things, those are all things that are important to have with regard to cyber threat, cyber threat intelligence, and what uh, law enforcement and military background uh, actually supports that. So, Dale, you now work as a consultant and an associate professor. Tell us about the roles that you now play. Okay, so most of what I do now is help other people succeed. I've been there, done that on a lot of things. The business about what one experiences and translating that experience so other people can benefit from it. From my consultant role, I help people solve issues and problems. I help them identify factors, context, ways to go about it. I don't necessarily have the answer, but I can help them analyze it quicker, give them ideas, and help assess their progress towards what they want to define as success. As a professor, I teach mostly at the graduate level and continuing adult education. The thing that is very gratifying in that regard is, is that most of my students are mid-career people. 
And uh, oftentimes they've, they've come up to the point where they're transitioning from individual contributors to management or leadership positions. And so the ability to what skills and talents do they need to keep doing from, from how they started and what new skills and talent education do they need to acquire in order to meet the new challenges with, with their new roles. It's one where you don't want to say, well, I've seen that problem before and I already know the answer. It's like I've seen that issue before, that challenge before, and here are several ways that we can go about attacking and getting uh, the desired result and outcome. So, Dill, you've talked a bit about how your background has helped to get you where you are today. What advice would you offer to others who are interested in pursuing a similar career path? Well, first of all, it is important to recognize opportunities. And opportunities are everywhere. And you have to be judicious about which ones you tackle. Because once you take advantage of one opportunity, the door closes on others. So opportunities is very, very important. The second is, is that when you do take opportunities, you'll have things that work out like you expect to, things that work out better than you expect to, and then things that don't work out like you expect to. Oftentimes, I have found that my next opportunity or the success for my next opportunity is often embedded in the mistakes, the missteps, the experience that I gained on the previous ones. So, uh, you know, most people's professional lives is a journey, and it's a journey of discovery, not only about yourself, but, but about what things you can do. Next, I would be very objective about your own abilities. I find some people that are very reticent to, you know, I don't know if I can do that. And really what they need is, is they need the confidence to know that they do have the ability to, to tackle those things. On the other hand, I run into people who overestimate, who believe that they're the best of this and the best of that, and they get themselves in trouble because, in fact, they've not been objective about what their strengths and limitations are. And lastly, nobody should be fooled. To be successful, you have to work hard, and you have to work hard all the time. It's not easy. There, there are a lot of folks that believe that chance plays a huge role, luck plays a huge role. And while it, both of those do play a role, you get luckier the harder you work. Your chances increase the harder you work. And so uh, the investment, the commitment, need to understand is all part of the journey equation. And then, Dale, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? The, the only thing that we can guarantee is, is that change will be constant. And so the challenges that face us today are not going to be the same challenges either in technology, cybersecurity, economics, uh, world affairs, things like that, are not going to be the same as they will be in, in a couple years. Uh, however, there are many things that remain constant. Leadership is a requirement for organizations. You know, the ability to solve problems and, and how one goes about solving problems and many of those kinds of things remain constant. But the context in which that plays out will ever be changing. And, and oftentimes, uh, those in, in certain disciplines within organizations you know, particularly in the security, cybersecurity business, we like repeatability. We, we like the, the business of, okay, this is how you always solve this problem. Well, that, that's not the way it, it, it actually works. And so constant change and the speed of that change uh, in, in our business are, are in fact, the, the biggest challenges that face those of us in the future. Well, great points, Dale. I appreciate your insights today, and thank you again for taking time out to talk with us. You bet, Tracy. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Dr. Dale Meyer-Rose, for Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.